0: you take the good you take the bad you take them both and there you have stanford season opening performance against colgate kind of sounds like a tv show cardinal beat the raiders 41 to 10 and for the first time in 11 months they're in the win column how about that there's still a long way to go man a long long way to go we're here on another episode of the Treecast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online on Monday, September fifth, twenty twenty two. Great to have you with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Thank you so much for being here with us. And we are breaking down Stanford's win over Colgate to begin the twenty twenty two season as only we can. And we'll have help from Stanford head coach David Shaw, running back EJ Smith, and Cardinal safety Kendall Williamson as well. So stick around for. The thoughts from those guys and me, Troy Clarity, Pac-12 network play-by-play announcer in my 30th year of following Stanford football, in my first year of college football play-by-play with Compass uh, Media Networks on the national radio side. Really looking forward to that uh, as uh, diving into that slate later on in this season. Uh, you know how we do on the TreeCast. We cover Stanford athletics better than anybody in the audio and podcast space, we own Stanford Athletics in the audio and podcast space, and we've been the go-to uh, podcast for Stanford fans since 2015, and pretty darn proud of it. So if you want to be a part of it, we're just getting started for the football season. We'll normally come at you twice a week. Subscribe to the show. That way, you know, you, you don't have to worry about anything. Every time every, every time every show is posted, it's right there in your inbox and ready to go. Rate and review the show. Spread the word about the show. I always appreciate uh, uh, feedback as well. Uh, hit me up via Twitter hashtag TreeCast. hashtag TreeCast is the way to go there. And of course, you can also follow me on Twitter as well at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C L A R D Y. Well, Stanford starts the season one and zero for the first time since 2019, but it was pretty clear that it was the first game of the season based on the level of play for the Cardinal. Shaw summed up the night after it was over.
1: I thought in some ways we were close to our standards tonight in certain areas, being physical, running the ball. Um, Some areas I thought we weren't, you know, special teams-wise. It was well below our standard. I thought defensively we played in stretches extremely well. Um, and some stretches we, we gave up a little bit too much. Um, but we got stingy in the red zone, which is huge. If we can keep people out of the end zone, we'll have a good opportunity. To win football games.
0: Yeah, pretty accurate assessment there. We'll dive deeper into it in just a moment with three things you need to know from Stanford's win over Colgate. But first, a reminder that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's start the show with three things you need to know from Stanford's 41-10 win over Colgate. As it makes sense to do this, we begin with number one. Oh, and the game started off great. First play from scrimmage, Stanford first and 10 from its own 13-yard line. EJ Smith took a handoff, went to the right, didn't have a whole lot of room there, but then cut back towards the left. Got a nice block from Walter Rouse along the way, and the next thing you know, he was off to the races and gone. Eighty-seven yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage, and Stanford up seven nothing, just 18 seconds into the game. After the game, E.J. Smith took us through the play through his eyes. In
2: that play, you know, I was just supposed to follow my pullers. Um, the linebackers ended up, you know, um, over pursuing, so I took it backside, you know, you know, had that long run. Um, you know, my old lineman, you know, blocked really well. Um, you know, I just executed off of those blocks.
0: Yeah, Smith's 87-yard touchdown run tied for the fifth-longest rushing play in Stanford history. You might remember Nathaniel Pete's 87-yarder at USC last year. David Shaw was pretty impressed with that start.
1: said it over the headset, I mean, and that's how you start the season. You know, uh, old-school single-back power play. Um, uh, linebackers overran it, and we talked so much about – don't take the backside A-gap. You don't choose to go back there. The defense tells you to go back there. And EJ's been really good all camp because he hit a big one in training and in spring and then he went back there a couple of times when it wasn't time to go back there. This time he was patient. He felt all the guys flow. He cut backside. And like we've known about EJ, um, he's big, he's strong, he's physical, but he's got that finishing speed as well. So great way to start the season um, and at the same time, He can also play much, much better.
0: As David Shaw. And, yeah, Walter Rouse, a big, big block on the backside to point the way for EJ after he cut back. And it was pretty much a foregone conclusion how that play was going to end once EJ was in the clear. So, interestingly enough, Stanford had 87 yards rushing after the very first play from scrimmage. To put that in some perspective, last year Stanford averaged 87.3 yards rushing per game. Stanford up 7-0, 18 seconds in, and you started thinking, hey, man, this this might be a cakewalk. But let's get to number First play of the second quarter, Colgate punting, and Casey Filkins muffs it at his own 13-yard line. The ball bounces back into the end zone, where it's eventually recovered by the Raiders for a touchdown. And at that point, it's 7-7, and it could have been 13-7. At that point, if Colgate's kicker hadn't missed from 33 yards out and 45 yards out in the first quarter. And at that point, the Raiders were probably outplaying the Cardinal. So what was the team's mood at that point in the game?
2: I asked Cardinal safety Kendall Williams. We were definitely just feeling like this game is ours. I mean, I feel like the whole game we were feeling like this game is ours. But at that moment, um, you know, like there's a lot of games, like there's certain momentum swings, maybe early on, late on. Uh, Later on in the game that you don't really want obviously, we don't want that and we saw it happen and the defense just saw it I mean, I feel like the whole team saw it as an opportunity to go out there and really just dominate the rest of the game uh, we really, we wanted it, needed it even more after that because we felt like obviously we made a mistake as a team and we wanted to make up for it. And that they did. Stanford
0: flashed for a five-play 75-yard touchdown drive to take a 14-7 lead. Car defense forced a three and out. Stanford then drove 72 yards with E.J. Smith punching it in from one yard out for a 21-7 lead. Colgate went three and out again, and then Stanford scored once more on a highlight reel touchdown grab by Michael Wilson. Gorgeous picture of it, by the way, on the social media from the Stanford Football official account. 28-7 Stanford at that point, and the card never seriously looked back from there. Let's wrap up brief things with number three. <laughs> Special teams had a rough afternoon. Uh, first half in particular, a couple of muffed punts. One that we told you about, uh, the Philkins muff that was recovered in the end zone by Colgate for a score. And another one on an inadvertent bounce that hit a Stanford player that Colgate recovered. And, of course, the play that resulted in Colgate's only touchdown of the day to begin the second quarter. Shaw have his thoughts on what happened on
1: both of those respective plays. It's not anxiety and nerves or anything. It's just poor execution. Um, decision-making, um, reading the ball. You know, reading the ball in the stadium is a little bit different than reading the practice field. Um, so I think we had a couple of bad jumps off the ball, which now makes you kind of a little uncertain. Um, Casey's play that just, you know, he makes the poison call to get everybody away from the ball. And then if it takes a friendly bounce, then you can still take it. That was not a friendly bounce, right? He should have just gotten out of the way, tried to field it and didn't get it. So um, I think we learned some lessons there. Um, I think we're going to have to uh, nail down our, our technique um, and our decision making. Um, but I have a lot of confidence in those guys to bounce back and play better next week.
0: Yeah, elsewhere uh, Shaw has noted that uh, the guys are going to be going through some extra ball security drills this week. And I'm pretty sure that Stanford special teams coach Pete Almar, who is definitely one of the best in the business, I suspect he also has thoughts and a plan for the card to play much cleaner in that particular department going forward. Those are three things. Some statistics of interest from the game. Stanford with 497 yards of total offense. To keep that in perspective, their season high last year was 422. That was at Vanderbilt last year. Tanner McKee, 22 of 27, 308 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He actually completed 13 straight passes at one point. E.J. Smith, 11 carries, 118 yards and two touchdowns, also had five catches uh, for 37 yards. Mike Wilson, the uh, leading Stanford receiver, with five catches for 82 yards and two touchdowns. Lavani DeMuni led the way with 10 tackles defensively. And a lot of guys got a chance to see playing time, and a lot of guys got a chance to put up some numbers, many of them a little bit on the impressive side. Now, you know, Let's be honest here. Much of me is is couching a lot of this by saying, "Hey, this is against Colgate, right? It's Colgate Patriot League squad. You kind of expect to, to have these kind of results, and when you're Stanford and you're when you're a Power Five program uh, against against a squad like Colgate. So while it's against Colgate, though, I'm not complaining. Definitely not complaining with a lot of the things, many of the things that we saw uh, from Stanford on Saturday and the card." Kind of a lot on the line this season, right? I mean, Especially the defensive line in particular. Interior defensive linemen, as we talked about on the Thursday preview edition uh, of the Colgate game. Uh, inter- Stanford's interior defensive linemen coming into this game had combined for 13 total games of experience and one start entering the season. It's not a whole lot of action there. Tobin Phillips and Anthony Franklin started. But we also saw plenty of Jackson Moy and Zach Bucky too. And we saw some interesting things from a couple of those guys in particular. I'll tell you who they are in just a moment. But first, Kendall Williamson from his safety spot. He had a pick, by the way, in the game on Saturday. Williamson had a pretty good view of things, how the guys up front were operating and he told us what he saw from that crew I
2: feel like they were doing good I feel like they were doing good Um, I was really excited I remember uh, Bucky Zach Bucky got this uh, this QB hurry I think he was all he was all in the quarterback's face I think it was the one where he almost threw the pick to uh, Lavani I was just I was just excited like I, I I love seeing that out of those guys um and I know some of them don't have as much of experience, so I feel like this was a good game to kind of get out there, uh, get your legs moving, kind of feel that the speed and the pace of the game. Um, but I'm excited for for what they did tonight, and excited for what they'll do next weekend. That's Kendall Williamson,
0: and yeah, Zach Bucky with an impressive sequence there that almost led to an interception. I thought Jackson Moy was pretty disruptive of the Colgate pocket. And uh, got good penetration on some running plays as well. And I thought he was, I thought he was probably the most consistent defensive lineman from my eye uh, throughout the course of Saturday's action against Colgate. Very impressive. And, and don't forget, Bucky and Moy, those are freshmen, freshmen, youngsters making an impact in their first game. The edge guys, I thought, did well, especially Stephen Heron, who had a big sack. I think he's going to be counted on a lot to make those kind of plays um, this year. And we've seen him have the ability to make those plays off the edge throughout his career. Uh, Think back to uh, against UCLA down at the Rose Bowl in 2020 and that, that wild, wild game. And I thought Aeneas DeCosmo popped a bit as well. That was nice to see. David Bailey, a lot of hype uh, surrounding him coming in. The coaches just can't stop raving about him, and certainly uh, David Shaw is, is is leading those cheers. Didn't see a lot from him necessarily, but just because he was quiet to my eyes doesn't necessarily mean that he had a bad game. So Bailey maybe didn't quite flash as much as, as, as maybe I was looking for particularly, but you know, I, I certainly didn't come away with it going, "Wow, where, where is he?" You know, it wasn't anything, anything quite like that. But uh, Bailey certainly, in his first game, uh, will be counted on very heavily going forward for the Cardinal. Now, there there were times when the Stanford front, and I'll throw the linebackers in here as well, there were times when Stanford bent a bit. Colgate ran for sixty-eight yards in the first half. They churned out 86 yards rushing in the third quarter alone. After the game, I asked David Shaw for his thoughts on the night for Stanford in the run defense department.
1: It's tough when they involve the quarterback so many times, right, as a runner. You have to account for the guy he's faking to, but then account for the quarterback also. In uh, particular, a big physical kid um, that's rushed for a lot of yards in his career. Like his last, last couple games last year, was like 150, 170 yards rushing. Big physical kid. And you saw him drag a couple of our guys for some extra yardage. Um, so I thought it was good. that we missed a couple of tackles. Not that many, but we missed a couple. Um, so we're always going to stress that. But I thought we ran to the ball. I thought the guys came up and were physical. Um, so I, I thought it was a good start. Not perfect yet. But a good good start for us. That's
0: David Shaw. And, And yeah, in that third quarter, despite a productive ground game for the Raiders, they only kicked a field goal in that quarter. Turned out to be their only offensive points of the day. And that's kind of the story of the day for the Stanford defense. You know, Stanford, you know, bent at times, but stiffened when it absolutely needed to most, and in a, lot of, in a lot of cases, a lot of times, they didn't allow Colgate to get going at all. Raiders went three and out eight times on Saturday. Colgate converted its first two third downs, then went O for its next six. Now, again, it's against Colgate, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'd certainly take that over the alternative. So Stanford overall defensively with some work to do in some areas, That's uh, it's certainly not that, that effort and that level of play is certainly going to need to improve maybe drastically immediately starting from here on out, but a good start, I thought, overall defensively. Secondary didn't have a whole lot of work necessarily. Colgate's offense predicated more on running the ball and they really didn't give up anything um, you know, Michael Brescia, the Raiders quarterback completed his first five passes, but then finished 4 or 14 after that and didn't really have a whole lot of options deep downfield. So the secondary a bit tough to judge, maybe in some respects their day, but they they held up their end of the deal. no big plays through the air. so you certainly can't can't find fault with that. Offensive standouts, uh, we mentioned Tanner McKee and, and his day, throwing for 300-plus yards, two touchdowns, a pick that he'd like to have back as he overthrew Ben Jorosic down the seam. Um, that came in the third quarter. But overall, pretty decent. First half, 19-21, 234 yards. And those two incompletions that he threw, one was a drop that we'll get into later, and the other one was an overthrow under pressure. Outside of that, McKee was on point, and he was throwing it downfield as well. Not just this horizontal passing game that that inflates so many completion percentages these days. No, he was he was getting the ball, throwing intermediate routes, and and hitting guys in stride and looking good for the most part. So McKee off to a good start. Walter Rouse, I thought, had a good game. Not just the block that he made on EJ Smith's 87 yard touchdown run, but but paved the way on a few other critical runs as well. It was really nice to see Rouse leading the way for the offensive line. In fact, Rouse was actually nominate, was actually a Stanford nominee for Pac-12 Offensive Lineman of the Year. Not sure who won that award, as I'm saying this on, on Monday morning, but, but good for Walter. And, and, and hopefully it pretends for, for big things to come for him and the line. Branson Bragg, the Stanford right guard, was injured during the week. It was announced on Friday that he would not start. He did not and Levi Rodgers started at right guard and rotated with Barrett Miller. Bragg is questionable as well for USC, by the way. We expect to get an update from David Shaw during his weekly press conference on Tuesday. Michael Wilson's first target was a third down drop early in the first quarter. We mentioned that uh, that one of uh, Tanner McKee's two incompletions in the first half was a drop. Well, there it was. Michael Wilson had it over, open over the middle, would have moved the chains, but nope, dropped it. But after that, He caught every ball thrown his way, including that reaching sky grab for that touchdown late in the second quarter. Impressive stuff. We even got a chance to see uh, Moody Rubin, the freshman, the true freshman. Caught a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter from Ari Patu. So we saw some things from the offense that were quite nice. I would have kind of liked to have seen maybe a bit more production on the ground, but I'll certainly take what we saw. And a couple of reserves impressed me particularly. And they were both running backs. Much has been made of the state of Stanford's running back room this year, which seemed overstocked at the start of last year. Then Austin Jones transfers to USC. Nathaniel Pete transfers to Missouri. And, and suddenly the cupboard seems, seems kind of bare. A.J. Smith, Casey Philkins, and then mm, oh, uh, well, in the second half, we saw some performances from Caleb Robinson and Brendan Barrow. David Shaw had mentioned Barrow in particular during some conversations I'd had with him um, during the preseason when I asked him about uh, how the rest of the running back room was shaping up. And uh, We saw him and Caleb Robinson as well. And, and I was impressed with both of those guys. They each got a few carries in the, in the fourth quarter in particular. Stanford started to empty out its bench throughout much of the second half. And I thought both of those guys showed great change of direction, explosiveness through the hole, and the ability to to, to plant a foot, cut, and go. North and south, not just, just jitterbug east and west, but to plant your foot and then boom, pop right through. Impressed I was by Robinson and Barrow. Don't know why I just did, went the Yoda mode there, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. After the game, I
1: asked David Shaw what both of those guys showed him. These guys are young, but they're ready. You know, Brendan Barrow um, just sadly missed the year last year. I'm really excited about him. He's got so much speed and explosion. Um, so when we had the opportunity to get him in the game, really wanted to get him in. Caleb Robinson has just been steady for us all the way through spring, all the way through training camp. Um, so we we trust those guys to go out there and, and run the offense. So had the opportunity to get him in. Was excited to get him in and been talking about it. Um, you know, all training camp for us, which is, you know, we had a couple of couple of transfers. Uh, but I love our running back room. I think a running back room is uh, is special and deep. A special and deep running back
0: room. Eh? Okay. All right. Well, it's going to need to be. It, it's definitely going to need to be uh, going forward with the tests getting much 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 tougher from here now I and I was you know given what I saw from those guys Robinson and Barrow I was a little bit more comforted by what's behind EJ Smith and Casey Filkins because it, it can't just be those two guys carrying the load that's just not how football works in this day and age it is just not you can't just you know it's not like Brad Muster back in the day, right? You just give him the rock 30, 35 times a game, every game, <laughs> be able to, you know, to the, the days of Tommy Vardell are over. That is long in the past. Doesn't work that way anymore. You need at least three running backs in this day and age in college football to have a rushing game that that largely can do what it needs to do just because of just how rough the game is now. But I was a little bit more comforted by what I saw and how those guys performed. Now again, it was against Colgate. Juan Carlos Lacey ripped up San Jose State in 1996, right? For like 91 yards rushing, had some great runs. We never saw him again. So this was against Colgate. But again, it beats the alternative. And it's a good thing that all this came against Colgate right in the first game of the year after it was done I asked EJ Smith for his overall thoughts on what the Stanford offense showed out there
2: resiliency um, you know we we had a couple bad plays um, throughout the game but we're still able, um, able to overcome those um, you know and that's very important um but at the end of the day you know we still have to work and get better um, you know, we have SC and, you know, other teams down down the road. So we just have to, you know, watch this film and just continue to improve. Yeah, he's right. I mean, how often do you turn it over four times and win?
0: That shows some resilience. And it also, you know, helps whom you're facing on the other side. I mean, you can do that when you're opening up against Colgate. the Scheduling God's smiling on Stanford for a week anyway. But you can you can do that. You can be minus three in the turnover in the turnover margin and win when you're opening up against Colgate. Certainly, the margin for error much much larger than it is against oh say I don't know Kansas State in a neutral site game in Dallas where the crowd is still somehow eighty twenty for Kansas State or against oh say an all time Georgia team in a neutral site game in Atlanta. (laughs) The the, the next time an SEC team plays a neutral site game outside of Atlanta or New Orleans or even Dallas, that'll be the first. Can can we get the SEC to play a neutral site game in SoFi or something? That's not a neutral site game at all. Come on. Who Who do they think they're fooling? So the margin for error wider for Stanford this go-around. But even though Stanford made mistakes and had stretches where it did not play cleanly, it rebounded from them. E.J. Smith fumbled. Still had a big day. Mike Wilson dropped the chain mover. Still had a big day. The defense had some moments when it, it seemed like it might be holding on a little bit. The defense still only allowed three points. David Shaw wasn't thrilled by the mistakes, but
1: he was pleased to see how the team responded after making Proud of, of how we bounced back from some critical errors. Um, EJ fumbled, came back and played a great game. Uh, Casey Filkins uh, messed one up, came back and played a great game. We missed a couple other things. Guys came back. Steven Heron missed a sack, came back and got a big one at the end. Um, So, you know, we didn't play perfectly, but I love the fight. I love the fact that we came back and we fought back after making some, some errors early on. And you know what? For a season opener, it's about how things should have gone.
0: And fortunately did. Right? It's Colgate. It is Colgate. You have to couch a lot of what we're saying here and a lot of the very good performances by saying, yep, it came against Colgate. But again, it beats the alternative. Can, can you imagine, for example, how Iowa fans were feeling filing out of Kinnick Stadium on Saturday? I mean, yeah, they got the win, but it was only 7-3, to and their offense didn't score a touchdown at all. A field goal and two safeties. How do you think Iowa fans felt walking out of their building? They got a lot of questions, man. A lot of questions they need to answer. So while I'm not entirely sure what we learned and how much we learned about Stanford necessarily from this one game in particular, I was hoping that would be the case. I was hoping not to walk out of Stanford Stadium on Saturday evening going, oh man, <laughs> boy, we learned a lot more about the squad than I thought we did, than I thought we would. Thankfully, that's not the case. Thankfully, that is that is not the not the situation. So, yeah, it's Colgate. But it beats the alternative. Who's coming to Stanford Stadium this week? Oh, yeah, USC. <laughs> We're going to learn a lot more about the Cardinal this week. I'll tell you that right now. That's going to be must-see TV, hopefully. Well, ABC deemed it important enough to make their make it their, their Saturday night primetime football game. Of course, much of that is because of Let's see, USC's new head coach, pretty much all new team, and pretty soon their whole new conference. Shaw was asked to look ahead a little bit to some of the subplots for that
1: game on Saturday and how they could affect his guy. Bigger thing for us is trying to find a way to get to 2 0. Um, You know, once again, not not that, you know, USC has to be a a big game um, in any more than just being our second game of the year. That's what it'll be billed as. That's what it'll be hyped as. Um, But for our guys, we're going to keep our focus on what we need to do to be a better team next week than we were this week. We're going to have to play at a higher level. We're going to have to cut out some of our miscues, especially on the special team side. Got to play much better possessing the ball. Got to be even better against the run. Um, And uh, be ready to come back and play against a really good football team and hopefully be a better team next week than we were today.
0: Yeah, just go 2-0. That's all he wants to do. Last week, all he wanted to do was go 1-0. That mission was accomplished. But this week, the goal is to beat USC. Which Stanford has done 10 of the last 16 times, by the way. I I feel the need to keep reminding people of this. So it's not out of the ordinary for Stanford to beat USC, despite how some people are going to be acting. Right? And I I have a feeling that... um, That after USC 66-14 result over Rice over the weekend, USC took three pick sixes back to the house against the Owls and Mike Bloomgren's squad. But I I have a feeling that um, USC fans are going to be very, very confident coming into Saturday. Mm -hmm. Well, We'll see how that turns out, because I've seen that movie before. But last Saturday was a good day. Good day. Good to be back in the building. Good to be back at Stanford Stadium. Good to be back. Seeing a Stanford football game day with my own eyes. Good to be back in the Stanford football radio booth. Tim Roy on my left. John Platt's on my right. Good to, good to see some folks. Man, it was awesome bumping into Tyrone Willingham in the parking lot before the game. He and I had a real nice 10-minute chat. That was good. I, you know, Tyrone's one of my guys. Really good. That, that's what game day's all about, right? Seeing old friends. Hanging out. And watching football. And hopefully your team wins. Stanford able to achieve, and many Stanford fans, I'm sure, able to achieve all those accomplishments last Saturday. Test gets bigger this week with those USC Trojans coming to town. I expect to be walking up to practice on Wednesday with uh, the loudspeakers cranked up to eleven, and that da 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 da. <laughs> oh, I love USC week. You've got thoughts on the show. I always welcome them, as always. uh, The best way to forward them along to me is to do it via Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the way. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Rate and review the show via your favorite listening app. We've got you covered. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, Google Play, Alexa. Did I mention iHeart? I think I did. But you get the point. We're everywhere. And the TreeCast is glad to be everywhere. And we'll come at you again on Thursday as we preview Stanford versus USC. Is this, the, is this potentially the last time that USC is playing at Stanford Stadium? Hmm. We'll preview that on Thursday for you. In the meantime, special thanks to the folks that you heard from earlier in the program. Stanford safety Kendall Williamson. Stanford running back E.J. Smith, and Cardinal head coach, I'm sorry, the Bradford M. Freeman director of football, David Shaw. Special thanks goes out most to you for joining us on the show, and we'll talk to you Thursday. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. And thank you for being with us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by Belief.